7 a.m. on the West Coast, 10 a.m. on the East Coast of America, 3 p.m. in London, England. It is 7.30 at night in Mumbai, India. Kyoto, Japan is 11 p.m. And here in Malaysia, it's 1997. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. And maybe you aren't either. Welcome in Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Twitch.tv, and Rumble.com slash Jay Sheldon is where you will find us live across the planet at this very moment. And for those of you on our podcast that listen to the audio-only part of our show, you can go to any one of those outlets, preferably rumble.com or YouTube, and check out the video version of our show. We put it up there. It's live right after it's live streamed. And so I know that you're listening later on the podcast across all the podcast platforms, Google, Amazon, iTunes, Spotify, we're on all of them. We just added a verbal also, VURBL.com. You can find our podcast there. <clears throat> and speaking of podcasts, we want to thank Debbie Wright from the Never Too Late podcast. Uh, we're doing a little cross promotion now, so we encourage you. Her promotion is supposed to run in the front of my show on the podcast, but for some reason it's not running all the time. So we want to certainly give a tip of the hat and a big plug to Debbie Wright's podcast, Never Too Late. Please do check it out when you're done listening to this podcast. You'll find it on the very same platforms that I run my show on. Debbie Wright, Never Too Late. Check it out. <clears throat> all right. And uh, Mohanad the Mighty has joined us. <laughs> Mohanad, uh, always, always with words of wisdom. And let's see what words he has tonight. What has four legs, two noses, and four arms, but cannot use them? Okay, if it had just been legs and arms, I would have set a table or a chair. But the nose throws me off. I'm really good at riddles, by the way. I'm really good at riddles. I can usually figure them out. Four legs, two noses, four arms, and can't use them. I give up. I, I have no idea. Give us the answer in the chat. Wherever you may be uh, watching in tonight, welcome in and thanks. Let's go, Brandon. Uh, what else are we doing? Yeah, tonight, five million USD for playing a video game. And that's when you come in second place. That's not even the winner's money. That's the second place money. Not anything is worth knowing. Okay, but you're killing me. I need to know the answer, Mohammed. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so all, we'll, we'll look at the 5 million USD for second place in a video game. And also, uh, here we go again. Malaysia, what the hell's the matter with you? I've got a story tonight that's going to just burn your butt about the trash in our rivers here. Man, I'm telling you. Rivers, water, source of life, my friends. And if we don't take care of our rivers and our oceans, our ponds, our lakes, we all in a heap of trouble. And in Malaysia, 
it's just not happening. It's wicked bad, and I will show you the proof of that. I got the receipts tonight. Here comes the rage wave. <laughs> yeah, I would assume so. All right. Also coming up, of course, we will continue on with our book, The War of the Worlds, the original from H.G. Wells. We're on the second book, and we're nearing the end. So we got to start thinking about uh, what we're going to do for our next book. Also, we're preparing a special Saturday night Ha a day before Halloween special, because we're not live on Halloween Sunday. We are live on Saturday night. So we'll have scary stories for the whole stream on, uh, on our Halloween special on the 30th of this month. Okay, it's time. Miko update. Me, 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 me. Miko update. Uh, Miko is doing very well. She's, as always, doing well. And uh, this is a shot from her earlier today. And uh, she had a very lazy few days because of the heat. Although, thankfully, yesterday we had some relief. We finally had some much-needed rain and uh, didn't get in the way of our walk. We were still able to take Miko out for a nice long walk. And she uh, had a great time. I told you in our last stream, in case you missed it, I'll tell you again. We weighed her. We just re-weighed her tonight because we thought the scale might be messed up. But no, indeed, she weighs now 11.4 kilograms. <laughs> but she's not fat. Look at these pictures. She's, look at that. There, there's a good example. She's very solid. But she's, she's completely not fat. So uh, for whatever the reason, she's doing well. Average for a female Shiba Inu is about 9 kilos. She is at, we just weighed her. She was 11.3 yesterday, 11.4 tonight. Unbelievable. This girl is getting huge. By the way, if you would like a Miko merchandise cup, which has our show logo on one side and the infamous Miko on the other. Mouse pads, t-shirts, ball caps, hoodies, they're all available, even little stickers. They're very cheap, and you can get them at uh, twitch.tv slash jsheldonnopants. Look at the About page, and then over on the right-hand side, I think, you'll see the Miko merch. Click there, send you into the store, and you can check out all the different pieces of Miko merchandise we have over there on twitch.tv. So uh, check that out. Yeah, cool. So Miko's doing well. And included in my Miko update, she is a good lassie, Mohanad, you're right. Um, I had to include this. Obviously, this is not Miko. This is from Japan. But this is absolutely the coolest. This dog, this is a small uh, cigarette stand in Japan. And... Uh, the dog, there you see right hidden away down there is the dog. It's a Shiba Inu. Looks a bit like Miko, actually. And every day it sits down there and waits for customers. Take a look at this video. So cool. I can't play the audio, but there she is. She sees a customer come up. She jumps up, opens the door. There you go. And Miko acts exactly the same way. So she opens the door, waits for customers, and then goes and gets the owner. Oh, there she goes. She got a cucumber. <laughs> that is great. 
uh, opens the window for the customers whenever somebody shows up. And just like Miko, loves the love. <laughs> we call that the airplane ears, where they go down flat like that, like an airplane wings. Fantastic. That's an amazing video. I had to share that with you as part of our, our Miko update tonight. It's not Miko, but that's as part of the fun of owning a Shiba Inu. They're a, um, they're a brilliant breed. They really are stubborn as hell, but they are amazing. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. <clears throat> too much cuteness. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Too much cuteness. All right. I had to at least say a little something about some, a thing I saw posted today from Kyle Becker. Uh, it's a tweet, but it was shared on a, face, a public Facebook account. And it really says a lot. Here in Malaysia, um, the government has not mandated vaccines. They have made it extremely uncomfortable for people who do not have the vaccine or who choose not to get vaccinated. There are also, which I don't think, frankly, is getting enough attention, a fairly good-sized amount of people who, for various medical reasons, are unable to get the vaccine. And really, Ministry of Health, we need to do more to help those people because there are people who, for medical, not personal choice reasons, if you choose to not, if you choose to not take the vaccine simply because you don't want to, look, I'm a big, big advocate of I'll do me, you do you. I'm all about that. If you choose not to take the vaccine, that's your choice. You choose to take the vaccine, that also is your choice, and you're not going to get any opinion one way or the other from me. But there are a large group of people who, for medical reasons, are unable to get the vaccine, and those people need to... Look, my personal opinion is they ought to have the same access to anything that vaccinated people have because they are medically unable to get vaccinated. One of the things that I've found is that a lot of people in Malaysia, which is where I live, I've lived here almost 20 years now, it's my frame of reference, is that a lot of folks here in Southeast Asia sadly still get their news from idiot fake news sites like CNN, BBC, MSNBC, and all that other crap fake news sites. And so they have an opinion of what goes on in the U.S. Similar to the opinion I had of Asia when I was living in the U.S. and all I knew about Asia came out of that little 19-inch square television set. But when you see so many people in the U.S. who are opposed to the mandated vaccines, people think these people are against the vaccines. And that's not necessarily the case. What they're against is being told what they have to do. Because if anything Americans value above everything else, it is freedom. It's what America is built on. It's what America is all about, is your freedom. Your freedom of choice, your freedom not to have the government tell you what to do. And this post really kind of put it in a frame so that maybe when you see people in the U.S. protesting, not just the U.S., by the way, Italy, France, U.K., all around the world, people 
who are against the government telling you what you have to do. And again, I want to be clear here in Malaysia, we do not, we do not have a vaccine mandate. You are not required to get it. They make it rather inconvenient if you don't have it. But you are, you're not mandated to have the vaccine and, and hurrah for that. Good on you, Malaysia. But millions of Americans, you'll see the post here from Kyle Becker. It's at Kyle N.A. Becker on Twitter. Millions of Americans don't oppose vaccines, but they are strongly opposed to vaccine mandates. News outlets that conflate the two groups and fail to acknowledge that the internationally recognized right to bodily autonomy are malicious actors who should not be trusted. And that goes right back to all those news, fake news sites that I was talking about, CNN, MSNBC, you know, you know the usual suspects. They, they combine that and they make people who are opposed to vaccine mandates, they make them out to be people opposed to vaccines, which probably 80% of the time is not the case. They're not opposed to vaccines. They're opposed to losing their freedom and their ability to say whether they choose to or not, no, I don't want it, or yes, I do. That's what they're fighting against. So I just thought I'd throw that out there for you. And again, like I said, I'm not putting my opinion out there. My opinion is you do you, I'll do me, and whatever you decide is right for you, is right for you. Base it on the science is the only advice I would give you. All right? All right. Some good news. Some really good news. Some amazing news. There is a, an online game called Dota, D-O-T-A. And Dota 2... Uh, has a professional player. He goes by the handle, nothing to say. He's from Malaysia, and he just, he's part of a team. Uh, it's a international team, I believe. And they played in a worldwide tournament. Sadly, he came in, his team came in second place. For second place, they won 21 Point six million ringgit. Can you believe it? On twenty-one point six million ringgit. That's five million over USD. That is insane. And that's for second place. Check this guy out. This is insane. Twenty. Look at that. Twenty-one point six million. Uh, Chang. Jin Shang, I hope I said your name right, and PSG LGD win 21 million after coming in in second place in, uh, what is that, TI-10 or TL-10? There is uh, Cheng Jin Shang, 20 years old, professional Malaysian Dota 2 player, uh, and more famously known by his in-game name, Nothing to Say, and he actually plays as part of a China-based uh, Dota 2 team, 
PSGLGD narrowly lose the world's biggest esports tournament. Tagged you in IG and Twitter. Made more progress. Oh, I saw something you did with the headband. Uh, Luna, welcome in. But um, I haven't seen your latest post. I'll check that out after the show. Thank you. Thank you, Luna Amethyst, hanging out with us tonight. Uh, so anyway, back to this. In terms of the prize pool, it is the biggest esport tournament in the world. International 10. Oh, that's it. TI 10 uh, in Bucharest, Romania. This was just earlier today or yesterday. And one of the most tense grand finals in the tournament's history. Uh, trailing 2-0 in the grand finals against Eastern European-based uh, Team Spirit. Nothing to say, and PSG LGD almost turned the tide around, staged a comeback, made it 2-2, before ultimately succumbing in Game 5. Team Spirit snatched the victory in the deciding game in a resounding fashion to claim the Aegis of Champions. The winners walked away with 18.2 million U.S. dollars. 75 over million ringgit. Insane. For a video game. So, we're driving home from dinner tonight, and I said to my other half, how much do these games make? How is it possible they can give away 18 million ringgit, uh, USD rather, 18 million USD to the winner, five over million to the second place? That's insane. So I looked it up. You're not going to believe the numbers. Check this out. Dota 2 makes 18 million a month for value. 18 million in one month for Dota 2. But League of Legends, another game, makes that much every five days. Yeah, that's how much money these video game franchise holders or IP holders, whoever, 18 million a, a month. For Dota 2, five days they make 18 million for League of Legends. This is insane. Most played game on Steam, the most played game on Steam, which is the game platform, is free. But that doesn't mean it, it isn't making Valve a ton of money. Dota 2 is a growing forth, force in the multiplayer online arena battler space. Makes 18 million a month, according to industry intelligence firm Superdata Research. And that number is on the rise as Valve's highly competitive game attracts new players and helps the company uh, capture a bigger prey, a, a piece of the MOBA market. The MOBA market in the U.S. alone is $54 million a month. Friends, I am in the wrong business. <laughs> I'm telling you. 54 million a month. The success of MOBA genre uh, continues. One of the Valve top tier titles broke a symbolic threshold of a million concurrent users in February. Insane. Dota 2 on the rise still has a long way to go to uh, League of Legends. And uh, 
Yeah, it takes uh, League of Legends about five days to earn the same amount of money as Dota 2 makes in a month. League of Legends had a monthly run rate of over 123 million USD in January of this year. I am floored. I'm absolutely floored. Now I understand how they can afford to have a tournament and give away 18 million USD to the winner. That is insane. That is nutso. Wow. Incredible. I think I'm going to start playing DOTA. Mm. Sorry, coffee break time. Okay. <laughs> wow. That is... I'm floored. I'm actually floored. Okay, what else we got going on here? I know, we need a mic break. Sorry, I just didn't want to cough in your ear. Okay, uh, heartbreaking story. I said it in the beginning of the show when I was previewing some of the stuff we're going to talk about tonight. And uh, this is one of the headlines. It's from World of Buzz. You'll find the link in our show notes to all of these stories we talk about tonight. Most of them anyway. But our water sources, our oceans, our rivers, our lakes, our streams, our ponds, Water's a source of life, folks. If we lose our water, we're done. You worry about climate change or whatever they're calling it these days. I'm telling you, you screw up the waters on this planet and you just might as well check out now. Here in Malaysia, it's embarrassing. Literally, when I go out for a, a walk or a, to one of the parks, the condition of some of our rivers is just incredible. We have covered this before on our stream many, many shows ago. You probably missed that one. And this was a headline just four days ago in the World of Buzz. Check it out at worldofbuzz.com. Six heartbreaking images of polluted rivers in Malaysia that we wish we could unsee. Now, if you're listening to the podcast, please go to our Rumble page, rumble.com slash Sheldon. Check out the video part of our show. Um, I'm not looking at it. I'm not telling you to go there for the hits, but if you're there, please subscribe. You can even forward to like 24, 25 minutes into the show if you want to just see this story. But uh, Or go, go to worldofbuzz.com and check out. You'll find the link in the show notes. A river that has overflowed. Look at this. Overflowing with trash. Look at this garbage. This is just left by people, either dumped in the river or they go out for picnics, camping, and just leave their crap. These animals leave their crap all over the riversides. Bottles, plastic, bags. It's disgusting. And you just don't stop. Take two minutes to stop and think. Put it all in a bag and take your trash with you. All right, here's a river dyed black by chemical wastes. You see this? That ought to be running clean water. It's black, literally black from chemical waste. River pollution long been a recurring environmental issue here in Malaysia, from the article. Being unconcerned about our rivers, many of our own rakyat, which is the citizens, uh, business owners, industries have been polluting rivers on a daily basis. 
irresponsible, the article says. Boy, that's an understatement of the year. The consequences of their actions shown in these pictures of polluted rivers from around Malaysia that break our hearts. A river in Kuala Lumpur that resembles a giant Tong Sampa. Um, a river in Selangor. These are, sadly, dead fish floating in the river. Selangor is the state in Malaysia that I live in, if you're not here in Malaysia. I know a lot of our viewers and listeners are not. Uh, a river in Johor, another one of our states in Malaysia in the south, dyed black by chemical waste. Here's another river in Selangor covered in oil. I'm not sure if that's clear on camera, but you can see here there's a giant oil slick covering probably 90% of the surface of the river. It's disgusting. Oil floating on the surface prevents air from entering the river, causing the death of whatever lives in it, fish, plants, frogs, snakes. Um, here's one in Sarawak covered in uh, algae. Now, algae can be a natural part of the ecosystem, but when it gets to this point, it's just out of control. Check this out. This is the kind of crap I'm talking about. And since people have been allowed now to go out and travel much more, almost instantly, this happened because of these idiots, animals, who don't pay attention and don't give a crap. Popular riverside picnic spot in KL covered, covered in garbage. You can see it here, just the sides of the river, right into the river itself, covered in nothing but crap. Left there by you morons. You, you know what? Just lock yourselves in your house and don't go out if you can't be responsible. I was going to say you're animals, but you know what? Even animals don't do this. So you're, whatever it is below that, it's unbelievable. Don't litter. Don't use chlorine bleach and phosphate cleaning products. Dispose of chemical. Don't dispose, obviously, chemicals into rivers or pour cooking oil down the sink. It just winds up in the, uh, in the rivers and streams. Use, if you can, organic gardening techniques. If you see cases of illegal dumping, report it. Turn off the tap when you're brushing your teeth. Save a little water there. And check your water pipes for leaks. We seriously, we really do not appreciate. There's uh, Air Selangor, which is our water supply and sewage uh, company here. But this, uh, again, please, folks, I, I can't emphasize it enough. Um, I'm not a big climate change buff, but there is one thing I'm passionate about, and that's this. We have an amazing river system in Malaysia. In some of the areas away from the cities, gorgeous. The waterfalls, the rivers, the streams, beautiful in the jungles here. But if you're going to do this, stay home. Don't bother, because the rest of us would like to have some clean water and some nice, beautiful-looking streams and rivers and ponds. This is just beyond disgusting. It's sad. It is a sad, sad commentary on how people, uh, how people treat Mother Nature. All right, enough down stuff. We need some, up, some uplifting good news, and boy, have I got some. This is an article, again, it'll be in our show notes today, from says.com. I've told you so many times about the brilliant uh, folks that uh, 
do our delivery services here, most of them on motorcycle. A lot of cars, but also a ton of motorcycles. They've kept us fed during the lockdowns. They keep delivering our products and they do an amazing job. And because they are out there on the roads so much, uh, they run into situations where they can do a random act of kindness. They run into people who need help. And there have been so many stories. I've shared as many of them as I can here on my stream. I also produce a show called Random Acts Malaysia. You'll find it on Facebook. And um, you can check out the page there, Random Acts Malaysia on Facebook. And it does exactly that. It, it, it celebrates the common ordinary folks who do good things for people just usually just out of the kindness of their heart. This is an uh, uh, Knight of Cups. Hey, you were great in Simulacra too. Funny stuff. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. That was a blast. Several years ago, a few years now, uh, we shot that. And it's an incredible game. If you have not heard or, or seen Simulacra 2, please check it out. I play the part of a, uh, a cop detective in that uh, in that game. It's very cool. And now that I know what some of these online games are making, if you heard the first part of our show, I think I need to ask more when I do these roles. I need to ask for more fees. <laughs> All right, back to this story. It's great. A grab rider, just again, it's a small matter, but it's not. It's a big matter. It's somebody who did the right thing. Not all heroes wear capes. Some wear helmets and ride kapchais, which is motorcycles. This uh, grab food delivery guy, here you can see him. Let me get my mouse back. You can see him over here in the first picture. And uh, there is a gentleman. He's got a mask on and he's got a white cane. He is blind. A TikTok video has gone viral, and in it, a grab driver, a grab food rider's compassion captured when the on-duty delivery person stopped to help a blind pedestrian cross the street. There's a 40-second video running on TikTok that's gone fairly viral. Uh, there was a driver uh, at Masjid Lama Batu 6 in Gombak shows a blind man with a walking stick standing under a traffic light uh, by the road when the grab rider enters the frame. The delivery rider slows down, parks their motorcycle near the blind pedestrian, gets off, goes over to help. The person takes the blind man's hand and starts walking with him as the traffic light turns red. The person continues to walk together holding his hand until he is safely on the other side of the road. Here, let's see if I can, uh, yeah, here we go, I'll play this, turn the sound off. But there you can actually see the video. There's the grab driver there. And there's the, the guy who's blind, grabs his hand as the light turns, walks him, look at this, this is amazing. It doesn't identify who this grab driver is, but you know what, he didn't do it for the glory. This was shot by somebody out of their car that was stopped at the light gets him safely over to the other side of the road and then runs back across while the light's still red, jumps on his motorbike and off he goes for his deliveries. Man, I'm telling you. 
that is the kind of thing that just brings tears to my eyes to see people doing good. Random acts of kindness for no other reason than it's the right thing to do. I'm so proud of Malaysians when it comes to that. You know, we we bitch and complain about Malaysians doing this, doing that. There's a lot to complain about, but there's a lot to compliment Malaysians about too. And that's one of them. Brilliant. So it makes me just, it warms the cockles of my heart, which can be rather cold very often. That's a great story. Speaking of great stories, here's another one. Again, I can't play the audio, but this is from uh, who's oh, uplifting is the channel over on Rumble, and this is a brilliant story. Uh, in case you're not sure, I don't know that the same process happens here in Malaysia or in other parts of the world, but in the U.S., when a property gets repossessed from the bank, usually, it's sold at auction. And the public shows up, they bid on the property. It's a great way to get some great deals. Sadly, there are a lot of family farms that because of, it's not big pharma, strangely enough, it's the other kind of farm, not P-H, but F-A-R-M, F-A-R-M. Uh, these mom and pop family farms who have an impossible time competing against the big farms, corporate farms, um, wind up going out of business, losing their farms, losing their property, in some cases that have been in their family for generations. Well, every now and then you'll see a story about a family losing their farm and going up for sale at auction. Take a look at this story from Nebraska. You want to talk about putting your faith back in humanity. 200 farmers. This is the scene of an auction where they were auctioning off a family's farm because it went bankrupt, couldn't pay the bills. 200 farmers in Nebraska went above and beyond for a young man, is the video that's playing here telling the story, to help him buy back his family's farm. David's family had been farmers for decades. See, this is what I'm talking about, family farm. But um, unfortunately, Next slide. <laughs> An ancestor decided to sell the 80-acre farm. It was uh, actually quite heartbreaking for the entire family, but David was not ready to give up. When the land went up for sale again through an auction, David and his father decided they would save money to buy the farm back. So on the day of the auction, David and his father were stunned to see a huge crowd of farmers. They'd gathered there at the auction uh, they thought there was no way they would ever have enough money to outbid the other farmers. Look at this crowd, this huge group of people who are all there to bid on David's family farm. David was trying to buy it back himself. The 200 farmers did something truly incredible. After David and his father placed their bid, not one single other person in the crowd spoke up. Complete silence after David and his dad bid. As it turns out, those 200 farmers 
did not even attempt to bid because they wanted the family to get their land back. The auctioneer tried many times to solicit other bids, but each time everyone remained completely silent. Eventually, the auctioneer had to slam down the gavel and gave David and his father the winning bid. Unbelievable. Everyone else there who was there to get a deal that day decided, nope, there are better things in life than winning a bid, and they let David and his dad get their farm back. Again, the power of good people. It's amazing. Wow. All right. <clears throat> we are going to get to our book in just a little bit. I got one or two more cute little things to share with you. Have you ever wondered, we all fly. We've all flown at least usually one time in our life anyway. But you wonder how they get all those bags from all those passengers packed on the plane? Not your carry-on, your check-ins. Well, check this out. This is a video from uh, YouTube. Aviation in Asia is the page if you want to check it out yourself. This is a time-lapse piece of video of them packing the belly of a plane with the check-on luggage. Take a look. I'm just going to let it play while I'm talking here. And again, sorry if you're listening to the podcast. You can look at our rumble.com slash Sheldon or YouTube or Facebook or twitch.tv. You want to see the video version of our show. But look at that. Check that out. Look at this guy knows what he is doing. Look at the way he packs that in there. Not an empty space to be seen. It is jammed full. This guy packing all the checked luggage onto the plane. That is insane. I saw that come across my timeline. Thought, man, got to share that. That is so cool. All right. Since our show tonight has been full of, mostly full of good things that good people do, I'm going to leave you with just one little quick one. One little, little quick one, but you are going to love it. This is so cute. And again, it's from the page Talk 30 to me. 30, like three zero, not dirty, 30. <laughs> hey, it gets your attention, right? Here's another random act that has to be celebrated. Simple post from a, uh, at Andrew Hillary U.S., says a little girl just came up to the ice cream chuck and asked if she could buy an ice cream with a blue rock she found. And I am now one blue rock richer. Yeah, there you go. I told you it was short and sweet, but that's that sums it up. Random acts of kindness. Little girl comes up to the ice cream truck. She found a blue rock. She asked if she, she could get an ice cream for the blue rock she found. And so she got her ice cream, and the ice cream truck bender is now one blue rock richer. Ah, man. These stories tonight are really getting me. <laughs> Unbelievable. So cool. Love this stuff. All right. What else we got going on here? I know. We have our book. Yeah, we got to move forward and get into the War of the Worlds from H.G. Wells. We got a little mini short half a chapter tonight, and uh, we're going to do that coming up here in 
just one bit. Here we go. And uh, where we left off was a big drama drama moment last time. And this is original, the original uh, writings of H.G. Wells from 1897, the magazine serial called The War of the Worlds. And uh, we're getting near the end. It's getting close. This is part of a second book called Life Under the Martians. The curate, who was still timorous and restless, was now oddly enough for pushing on. I urged him to keep up his strength by eating when the thing happened that was to imprison us. And so we continue. It can't be midnight yet, I said. And then came a blinding glare of vivid green light. Everything in the kitchen leaped out, clearly visible in green and black, and then vanished again. And then followed such a concussion as I have never heard before or since. So close on the heels of this as to seem instantaneous came a thud behind me, a clash of glass, a crash, a rattle of falling masonry all around us, and the plaster of the ceiling came down upon us, smashing into a multitude of fragments on our heads. I was knocked headlong across the floor against the oven handle and stunned. I was insensible for a long time, the curate told me, and when I came to, we were in darkness again, and he, with a face wet, as I found afterwards with blood from a cut forehead, was dabbing water over me. For some time I couldn't recollect what had happened. Then things came to me slowly. A bruise on my temple asserted itself. Are you better? asked the curate in a whisper. At last I answered him. I sat up. Don't move, he said. The floor is covered with smashed crockery from the dresser. You can't possibly move without making a noise. And I fancy they are outside. So we both sat silent, so that we could scarcely hear each other's breathing. Everything seemed deadly still. But once something near us, some plaster or broken brickwork, slid down with a rumbling sound. Outside and very near was an intermittent metallic rattle. That, said the curate, when presently it happened again. Yes, I said, but what is it? A Martian, said the curate. I listened again. It wasn't like the heat ray, I said, and for a time I was inclined to think that of the great fighting machines that had stumbled against the house, as I'd seen one stumble against the tower of the Shepperton Church. Our situation was so strange and incomprehensible that for three or four hours until the dawn came, we scarcely moved. And then the filtered light came in, not through the windows, which remained black, but through a triangular aperture between a beam and a heap of broken bricks in the wall behind us. The interior of the kitchen we now saw grayly for the very first time. The window had been burst in by a mass of garden mold, which flowed over the table upon which we'd been sitting and lay about at our feet. Outside, the soil was banked high against the house. At the top of the window frame, we could see an uprooted drain pipe. The floor was littered with smashed hardware. The end of the kitchen towards the house was broken into, and since the daylight shone in there, 
it was evident the greater part of the house had collapsed. Contrasting vividly with this ruin was the neat dresser, stained in the fashion pale green with a number of copper and tin vessels below it, the wallpaper imitating blue and white tiles, and a couple of colored supplements fluttered from the walls above the kitchen range. As the dawn grew clearer, we saw through the gap in the wall the body of a Martian, standing sentinel, I suppose, over the still-glowing cylinder. At the sight of that, we crawled as circumspectly as possible out of the twilight of the kitchen and into the darkness of the scullery. Abruptly, the right interpretation dawned upon my mind. A fifth cylinder, I whispered. The fifth shot from Mars has struck this house and buried us under the ruins. For a time, the curate was silent, and then he whispered, God have mercy upon us. I heard him presently whimpering to himself. Save for that sound, we lay still, quiet in the scullery. I, for my part, scared to death even to breathe, and sat with my eyes fixed on the faint light of the kitchen door. I could just see the curate's face, a dim oval shape, and his collar and cuffs. Outside there'd been a metallic hammering and a violent hooting, and then again after a quiet interval, a hissing like the hissing of an engine. These noises, for the most part problematical, continued intermittently and seemed, if anything, to increase, and a vibration that made everything around us quiver and the vessels in the pantry ring and shift, began and continued. Once the light has eclipsed and the ghostly kitchen doorway became absolutely dark, for many hours we must have crouched there, silent, shivering, until our tired attention failed. At last I found myself awake, very hungry. I'm inclined to believe we must have spent the greater portion of a day before that awakening. My hunger was at a stride so insistent that it moved me to action. I told the curate I was going to seek food and felt my way towards the pantry. He made no answer, but so soon as I began eating, the faint noise I made stirred him up, and I heard him crawling after me. And that's the end of chapter one. Chapter two will come up on our next stream. It's called What We Saw from the Ruined House. That from H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds. We're almost getting towards the end. You can find that book along with many, many others all for free at gutenberg.org. A uh, great website with public domain books, uh, all the ones that we've read here on our stream. The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, The Little Prince, Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, The Velveteen Rabbit. They all come from the Gutenberg Project at gutenberg.org. Check them out. And if you'd like to help support the show, please go to patreon.com slash Sheldon, And you can sign up there to uh, send us a little coffee money and help to uh, send something to help defray the, the cost of creating this curated concophony of crap that we put up on the air every uh, three nights a week.
All right, folks, thanks so much for stopping by, joining our live stream, and for listening in on the podcast. Thanks for your subscriptions, likes, follows, downloads. Seriously, they all help so much, and we really, really, really appreciate you for that. Couldn't do it without you. I'll see you again on Wednesday. Until then, I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm not wearing pants. Enjoy the rest of your week, folks. Good night. Go.